I want to go. I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter uh, eight. Once again, Luke chapter eight as we're continuing to follow the footsteps of Jesus this morning. Luke chapter eight, beginning in uh, verse twenty-two. And so, the title of my sermon this morning. I usually, don't tell you the title titles of my sermon, even though I, I usually do title all of my sermons. The title of my sermon this morning just kind of gets you ready for it. Is that we're all about to die, and Jesus is asleep. Amen. We're all about to die here today, and Jesus is over there asleep. And so, you know, here it comes to the time in the life of these disciples where they had come to a faith crisis. Amen. And they had a major faith crisis within their life. And so as this major faith crisis that occurred within their life, they dealt with it, and they dealt with it the right way. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about how we need to deal with it the exact same way uh, that they dealt with it. And so when we begin to think about that, you know, all of us face trials within our life. Amen. All of us face those faith crises, I guess you could say, within our life. And then sometimes we do feel like, you know what, you know, I, I know that my faith and my trust is in Jesus Christ. I know that He is my Lord. I know that He is my Savior. I am solid in that. I am firm in that. But yet I feel like Jesus is asleep sometimes. Amen. I feel like I'm here uh, in this process all by myself, all alone. And so when you begin to think about that and begin to understand, you know, we need to recognize that we're not in this thing alone. Amen. Jesus is still right there with us every single step of the way. And so we need to recognize that. But as we face trials within life, I want you to understand there's three reasons, three basic reasons of why we might face trials uh, within life. One of the reasons why is we're reminded about this tomorrow is September the 11th. And so that's today we're going to recognize, you know, a great tragedy uh, that took place. But why did it take place? It took place because we live in a wicked world. Amen. We live in a wicked world. We live in a fallen world. So sometimes we might face trials in life. A whole lot of innocent people suffered at the hands of wickedness and pure evil, pure wickedness. And they were absolutely innocent and did nothing to deserve what happened. And their families are still suffering uh, as a result of that to this very day. And so so we need to recognize that and understand that we live in a fallen world. And so as a result of living in a fallen world, sometimes we're going to face trials as a direct result of that. Also, we understand that not only do we live in a fallen world, but we are fallen people. We are sinful people. And so sometimes we're facing trials in life because we did something that wasn't so smart. Amen. We did something that wasn't so intelligent. We did something that was outright sinful and now as a result of that, we are facing the music. And so if you, uh, you know, you sow bitter herbs, you're going to reap bitter herbs. Amen. If you sow sin, you're going to reap the consequences of that. And so as a result of that, sometimes we're facing the things in life because of the fact of the things that we have done. And we need to recognize that. We need to own up to that, right? And confess that and repent of that and ask the Lord to re, uh, re redeem that within our lives. But also we begin to understand this morning that we are being tested by God. Sometimes we face trials within life because we're being tested by God. And I believe Jesus was here upon this day putting his disciples to the test, wondering how they were going to come out at the end of that test. And so, you know, when we face these trials within life, we understand that it's not God's purpose to crush us. It's not God's purpose to ruin us. It's not God's purpose to even hurt us 
us, but it's God's purpose to grow us. Amen. It's God's purpose to make us better men and women of His, that we would be His better servants. And so we find in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we may be facing a trial within our life that God is putting us through uh, the fire. For those who went through the uh, the men's ministry uh, meeting the other night, you saw uh, there that uh, uh, Dr. Rice was putting that uh, steel within the furnace, and he was using that as an example of how... Sometimes God puts us in, uh, through trial by fire, amen, so that he could get us to the point to where he could shape us and mold us. And so what a wonderful illustration that that truly was. But as we begin to look at this text of Scripture in Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 22, here it was that truly Jesus was putting his disciples to a test. And so it says there, beginning in verse 22, it says, Now on, the, uh, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into the boat, and he said to them, let us go to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves and they stopped and it became calm. They said to him, where, he, he said to them, where is your faith? And uh, they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water to obey, and they obey him. So as we take a look at this text of Scripture here, there's several lessons, many lessons in which very popular text of Scripture, very well-known uh, store within the Bible. But again, I do believe that this is Jesus that is testing his disciples. And so as we look at the beginning of this text right here, it says in verse 22, Now one of those days Jesus said to his disciples, uh, that, that Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And so we don't see it in this text of Scripture. But we do see it in the book of Mark, uh, the exact same uh, story, the exact same time frame uh, of when this took place in the book of Mark in chapter 4. What did they get in the boat initially to do? There was such a large crowd because remember Jesus was going from city to city to village to village and more and more and more people started following Jesus around. They were seeing him doing all of these miracles, performing all of these things. Even the dead were coming up from the grave and and, and, uh, the widow's son had come up. From, the, from life and the lame were walking and all these phenomenal things were taking place and so more and more people started following Jesus and so as we see in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus and his disciples got into the boat to where he could just cast off a little bit uh, from the shore to where the rest of the crowd could stand out there on the shoreline and Jesus used that boat as a platform to be able to preach the gospel to those who were standing on the shore shore and so now apparently that's over with and so Jesus is saying hey while we're in the boat let's just go on to the other side right and so now he had a time of teaching the multitudes he had a time of teaching the crowds now he wanted to have a little bit more of an intimate time of teaching his disciples amen of teaching his inner circle to grow 
their faith and to increase their faith to make them the men that he so desired for them to be. And so as we look at this, we find here that as soon as they get into the boat, Jesus fell asleep. Now you have to you have to remember something. Jesus is God, right? And the Bible says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, but we need to also understand the fact that Jesus is God who became man, and though he was fully God, he was also fully man. We saw in his time of temptation when we looked at that a few months back that he was utterly wore out, completely exhausted in every single way, shape, and form when Satan came to to, uh, tempt him after his 40 days of fasting. And so here, no doubt, Jesus has been busy. Jesus has been going city to city, village to village, preaching the gospel. He's been waking up and uh, spending all night long out there in prayer. So you can imagine Jesus was physically exhausted. And so when Jesus gets in the boat, he's saying, you know, there's a little journey from here to there. I'm going to use this opportunity to take a nap. And so, you know, I've I've read stories about some of the great revivalists like, you know, uh, Jonathan Wesley and, you know, and some of those guys, they would go and they would preach literally all day long and then they'd put him on a cart and he would just completely pass out of exhaustion and they'd take him to the next city. They'd wake him up and he'd start all over again. Amen. <laughs> and so it had to be a very exhausting thing for them to do. But as we begin to understand, as Jesus was on this boat, I want you to understand, even though Jesus the man was fully asleep, God was was still fully aware of what was going on. Amen. God knew exactly what had taken place. And so what had taken place is there was this fierce storm, as the Word of God says, this fierce storm that had come upon them. In fact, a fierce gale wind. So these strong gale winds, and it descended upon them. And so there's some you know, meteorological terms that, that, that are used in this, but this strong wind that just kind of dropped straight out of the heavens, if you will, and then it came straight down up on top of them. And as it came down upon them, it started stirring the waters. And the, and the Bible says right here, uh, and the water began to swamp them, and they were in danger. Now we need to recognize something here. As we recognize something, we need to understand. You know, most of the men within this boat—not all of them, but most of the men in this boat—were professional fishermen. Amen. They, they knew how to read the weather. They knew how to read what was going on. They knew when it was a good time to go out there in that water, and they knew when it was a bad time to go out there in the water, right? And so here it was that these professional fishermen that had lived their whole life on the water, they'd probably spent more time on the water than they spent on land. They'd come into the land to go sleep, right? (laughs) rest of the day, uh, they're out there in that water. And so, you know, when you think about that and you begin to understand, I just watched a a documentary uh, just yesterday in fact, I didn't watch all of it. I watched part of it about, about the coal miners uh, who were up there in uh, Kentucky and West Virginia. They spend more time in the dark than they do in the daylight because in the, uh, in the, when it's daylight outside, they're down under the ground. <laughs> and they're down there uh, for in, in, uh, uh, mining for coal. And so they don't see a whole lot of light. They don't see a whole lot of natural light. And so that was the fisherman's job there. He was out there on that boat and saw a whole lot more time out there on the water and knew the water, knew the weather, knew the storm. 
We, we, we depend so much upon weather forecasters today, and you know they usually get it wrong about you know ninety percent of the time. But you speak to some of those old timers, and there's still some folks around today. There's some folks right here. I, I know for a fact that, that they could read the weather. They could tell you what that weather is going to do. Amen. They might not be able to tell you what the weather is going to do ten days from now, but they can tell you what the weather is going to do today because they know how to read that weather. And so these were some of them. So it came down upon on them suddenly, uh, the Bible says, and here was a storm that had come down upon them so suddenly and so rapidly that it caught every single one of them off guard. And what was their what was their reaction? Their reaction was, "We're about to die. <laughs> we are about to die." And, and, you know, when you think about that, you can ask yourself the question, were they overreacting? Were they, were they overreacting in this situation? And the reality is, no, they were not overreacting. There was a fierce storm, and they were out in the middle of water. They didn't have radios that they can get on and make an SOS call, right? They were out there all by themselves, and as this storm hit them suddenly, and the waves started coming over the boat, they were literally expecting that boat to sink and break apart at any moment and they literally thought we are about to die and if this boat sinks we're done for nobody's coming to get us we're out here all by ourselves and there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it we are about to die in fact they told Jesus the exact word is that we are perishing so we're about to die. They weren't over-exaggerating. You know, sometimes when you look at that, we, we have different reactions. People uh, react uh, differently to different things. People react from one extreme to the other extreme. Here we are in Mississippi, and the weather forecaster says that there's uh, storms and tor uh, uh, tornadoes in Texas. And so, you know, some folks will say immediately, we're fixing to get wiped out, <laughs> right? Or a storm's coming off the, uh, the Gulf of Africa. It's coming straight to us. I know it. I can just feel it. It's coming right at us, right? And we're about to get wiped out. Then you have other folks, and I don't, I don't understand. I'm kind of in the middle uh, here, I guess. But then you have other folks, that tornado comes, and what do they do? They run to it. <laughs> they, they try to run to that storm as fast as they possibly can. I don't understand those guys. They're a little bit crazy, I think. But, uh, you know, each to the own, we all react to things differently. But this was not an overreaction whatsoever. They were literally in a life or death situation. And so when we think about this, what would our response be? What would your response be? There it is that the storm comes upon you and, and you know it's a real literal physical storm. Maybe you're in a spiritual storm. Maybe you're in a physical storm. Maybe you're in an emotional or mental storm. Whatever that storm is that you're facing in life. And you know the reality is we all face storms. You either you have faced a storm or you are going to face a storm or you're coming out of a storm, right? Uh, we're all in those situations within life. And so what are the worst storms? Storms, I tell folks all the time, you know, the worst storms is the storm that you're facing. 
You know, we kind of, you know, we look at those category one uh, storms and we think, oh, they're no big deal, right? We'll go out and fly a kite in them. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if your house is wiped out by a category one storm, then, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Amen. If you're the one that was directly affected by that and you survived uh, a category five without, a, you know, unscathed, then it's, it's a bigger deal for them than it was for you. But the fact is that it, the storm that you are facing is the biggest storm, not because it's a bigger storm than anybody else faced, but it's a storm that you're currently going through. Amen. So to you, it is a big deal. And so we need to recognize that. We need to understand that. And so here it is in your life. You could be thinking to yourself, well, here I am. I have faith in God. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If I do die, then I'm going to end up in heaven. And I know that. I'm solid in that. I'm firm in that. But here here I am. And man, Jesus is over there asleep. And it feels as though that God is in a whole other universe and that he's nowhere around. And even when I call upon him, it doesn't seem like he's listening. God is nowhere to be found. At least that's what you think. And that's how you feel. Doesn't mean that you're not saved. You're saved. You're a born again believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, recognize that you're not the only one that has faced that kind of crisis. There's many others that face that kind of crisis and going through those kinds of emotions. In fact, all you have to do is read through the Psalms. Amen. But something that I want you to understand is that the Word of God tells us very, very clearly that God is with us. Amen. He is with us. Back Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Courageous. Do not be dismayed or, or, or tremble for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, I am with you wherever you go. And so you need, to, you need to recognize that and you need to understand that. Also we find in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8, the Lord is the, God, uh, is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. You know, the Bible says time and time and time and time and time again, God's not going to forsake you. God is going to be there with you right there every single step of the way. Psalm 46, verse 1, that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. And so we need to recognize that. We need to understand that but then there's other types of ways in which people respond is that you know god's there but mother nature is gonna take its course well first of all mother nature is not going to take its course because there's no such thing as mother nature we need to understand that god is the god of nature amen god is the god of nature god is lord jesus is lord and we need to recognize that. I get somewhat amused sometimes when people come up to me and they say, Hey, Brother Rusty, uh, I want you to pray for so-and-so. There's no hope for them, but I want you to pray for them. Well, let me ask you a question. If there's no hope for them, why should I waste my time praying for them? Amen? But if I believe there's hope for that individual, then I'm going to pray for them. Amen? 
Now the doctors might say there's no hope and the world might say that there's no hope and the environment and things going on around and you might have a category five storm that is you know about to clobber your house and it might be on its way. But I want you to understand it doesn't matter what's going on in life. Jesus is Lord over all and we need to recognize that he might not necessarily take you out of the storm. He might not even say peace be still to your particular storm in life, but you can understand that the Lord over that storm is with you every single step of the way. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. Amen? He's going to be with you every single step of the way. He's promised that. As a matter of fact, who is Jesus? Jesus is Emmanuel. Who is Emmanuel? God with us. And what did Jesus say at his ascension? He said, and lo, I will be with you always, not every now and then, or not between naps, right? He said, lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end. And so we need to recognize that. We need to understand that when we face those crises of faith, when we face those life crises and we're like, Jesus, where are you at? It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters about the truth of the Word of God. Amen? That's what matters. Thus saith the Lord God. And by the way, the Bible tells us about God that God is not a man that He should lie. And so when we recognize the fact that God is not a man that he should lie, we understand some truths here that he has given to us many problems, many promises, and he is going to keep every single one of those and not leaving you or forsaking you is one of them. So now here they are, they're on the boat, the storm comes, the wind, it just drops, it descends down, the Bible says, upon them, a fierce gale wind descends down upon them. And anybody spend any time out in the water, you know, if the wind's blowing five miles an hour on land, it's blowing about 200 miles an hour out there in the water, right? So that wind is a lot more fierce out there in the open water where there's nothing there to hinder it uh, than it is out there on the land where there's all kinds of things to block it. And so it came upon them, the waves start crashing in on them. So we looked at the ways that we respond to things, but what was their response? The very first thing they did is they went to Jesus. Amen? They went to Jesus. And as they went to Jesus, verse 24, it says, they came to Jesus and woke Him up. They came to Jesus and woke Him up. Now I want you to understand, before Jesus took that nap, He knew how this day was going to end. Amen? He knew it. And it didn't bother him a bit. Did it? Didn't bother him a bit. And he went on to sleep. Kind of reminds me of Peter. Later on in the book of Acts, Peter was about to be put to death the very next day. And when the angel came to release him from that, he was sound asleep. In fact, the angel kind of had to nudge him a little bit. Wake up, knucklehead. I'm trying to release you from here. Get out of that deep sleep that he knew he was about to be dead. The next day, 
But he was so worried about it, he was sound asleep. Amen? And so here it was, Jesus was sound asleep, and they had to come wake him up. And what do they say to him? Master! Master! With a recognition, a recognition that their faith was in Jesus. Master, Master, we believe you. What did Peter already confess? Peter already confessed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who Jesus was. He had faith in who Jesus was. He had absolute confidence in Jesus. And yet he's sitting here saying, Now we're about to die. We're perishing. Now, we have faith, but sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we forget. We're forgetful people. I know I am. My forgetter works better than my rememberer a lot of times. Amen? They forget this is the Christ. Yes, we're in this boat, but He is too. And by the way, who is the Christ? He is the long prophesied Savior of Israel. And that hasn't done. That hasn't happened yet. So, do you think the Father is going to let him die in this boat? No, that's not about to happen, is it? But see, they had forgotten the truths of God. They forgot who was with them. Now they recognize He's Master, Master, Master. As they say, we're about to perish. And so their faith was still in Jesus, but yet they'd forgotten some truths. And sometimes when we forget some truths, it kind of dampens our faith a little bit, doesn't it? Makes us look at the right here and the right now rather than the future of what God has in store. So Jesus gets up, wakes up. First thing he says to them, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I'm with you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm right here. Where's your faith? Second thing, now faith is not denying reality. Some people say, oh, you can't, you can't say that C word. You can't say that you've got cancer because if you say you've got cancer, you're speaking it into existence. No, reality is you've got cancer. Doctor said you've got cancer. Tests prove that you have cancer. That is reality. Not speaking anything into existence. That's what really is. But the reality is that God can do something about it if you so choose. Amen? That's, that's foolishness. Let me begin to, it's completely unbiblical. And so as Jesus got up out of the boat, he faced that reality in which they were facing is that they were in a very fierce storm that was about to sink the boat. But Jesus did something about it. Jesus said to them, where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed. What were they fearful and amazed about? If you look back at that next verse, in verse 24, it says, They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves. (coughs) Excuse me. And they stopped. And the wind became calm, or it, rather, became calm. Jesus, Jesus, we're, Master, Master, we're perishing. He got up. 
Peace be still. Just spoke the word. Now in verse 25, they have this worship experience. Who is this? That he can even speak to the wind and the waves, to the water. And even they obey him. Now they've already seen phenomenal things take place, amen? <coughs> they've seen tremendous things take place. They saw the water turn into the wine. They saw, which was the first miracle, they saw the blind see. They saw the deaf hear. They saw the mute speak. They saw the lame walk. They even saw the widow's son get up out of that casket. Amen? They had seen phenomenal things taking place. They'd seen demons cast out. Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They've seen all of those things. But now, they worshipped Him. You see, this is true worship. This is genuine worship. When you recognize who God is and you respond. That's what real worship is. Recognizing even the wind and the water obeys His voice. Of course, He's Lord over the wind and the water. They didn't have all that. They didn't know all that then. All things came into being by Him and apart from Him. Nothing has come into being that has come into being. He's the creator of the winds. He's the creator of the water. He put them there. They have no other choice but to obey him and now they recognize it they see it almighty all-powerful god that we often look at as being way up there the creator of the heavens and the earth that all he did was speak it into existence let there be light and there was light and god created the heavens and the earth in six days God created the heavens and the earth and we look at Him as being so massive and so huge and so far beyond us and the reality is He is so massive and He is so huge and He is so far beyond us but the reality is He's also in the boat. So yeah, He literally was in the boat. Well, guess what? He's literally in your boat too if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is in you. And you are in Him. He's there spiritually today. He was there physically then. But He is just as much in reality with you right here, right now, today as He was physically with them at that time. But yes, He is God that is so far above and beyond and removed from us that we can't even comprehend. But that same great, big, massive, awesome, overwhelming, incomprehensible God is also right here. Isn't that amazing? And he's not leaving. Not going anywhere. According to his own 
truth. And by the way, one last response that we have. How do we often respond to things? We like to blame other people for our problems, don't we? I hear Matthew now, Matthew telling Matthew, that land-loving tax gatherer, he said, I was telling Peter, I told you I don't like these boats. <laughs> Shouldn't be going this way, but you wouldn't listen. It's your fault, Peter. Probably Peter's boat. We don't know that for sure. But who told him to get in the boat? Jesus did. Who said, hey, let's cross over to the other side? Jesus did. She teaches our final truth this morning. When we're standing where Jesus tells us to stand and we're going where Jesus tells us to go, He's got you. Amen? We just need to be His faithful followers. Yes, Lord, I'm going to go and do exactly what you've requested. I don't understand it all. I may never understand it all. But your Lord, your Master, I'm not. So I'm going to follow you. Even if it looks kind of dangerous. <laughs> Jesus taught them a valuable lesson, didn't he? He teaches us valuable lessons. Right now, as the praise team comes on up, and as you stand, there's only one way you could follow Jesus. <coughs> there's only one way you could follow Jesus, and that's if you know Jesus. So I ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus is right here? Have you settled that? If not, friend, today would you settle that? You can't follow him if you don't know him. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Do you know his voice? That you could follow him today? Turn to Jesus, trust in Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about, Pastor. Come on up here and talk to me. I'll be more than happy to explain it to you. Very simple. All it is is putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Invite Him into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. He will. He absolutely will. If you'd like to do that today, you come. But maybe you're facing a life crisis. Can I pray for you this morning? Or you can just come down to this altar and you can pray this morning. Turn that chair where you're at into an altar. You pray. You come. As God so leads.